co-host Thomas Dempsey. I'm your sister co-host Elizabeth Connor. Coming at you a little bit later this week. Uh, normally record these. We've gotten into the habit of doing them Tuesday nights, but uh, uh Anyway, so <clears throat> how you doing? Doing good. Um, back to school. Back at school from where we had election right. day yesterday. Oh yeah, did they was school closed for that? Yes, they canceled school. Okay. Or it was And so it was a ho- well, it was a holiday. It was originally we were going to have a planned e-learning day so it would still count as a school day and then the Department of Education told us we couldn't do that. So Yeah. Okay. I, is there a precinct at your school? Um I don't know that either one of my schools is a polling place. Okay. I know mine is, or mine was, rather, my old elementary school. Yeah. Yeah. And... So did you get up to any... Yeah, sorry. And I go I go vote at the elementary school, like, down the street from our apartment. Sure. So. Yeah. But uh, did you get up to any of the activities, vote election day? Um, well, I voted. I performed right. my civic duty. Uh, Same. I met my older stepson's girlfriend for the first time oh, was that for the first time yeah um they because the first time that i met her was gonna be when he took her to her senior prom but that right. was the weekend we went to atlanta okay i remember that yeah so and then he got in the car accident yeah exactly yeah he got in the car accident the day before prom okay um and then, I don't know, like, you know, they're college kids. Life is busy. We just haven't had time or, you know, we just haven't been able to, like, sit down and plan. So, anyway, we all met up for lunch. We took him out to lunch yesterday. And she's very, very sweet. I like her a lot. Nice. Where'd you go? Uh, we went to the Mexican restaurant, like, around the corner. Okay. All right. Well, my... uh my day was pretty chill. Um, went up to M. Judson's and uh, Horizon Records to look around for a while. Then okay. uh, got home and then mom fixed us uh, Mexican for dinner. Oh, that sounds good. Well, I mean, I cook the meat. I usually, if, I, if I'm available, I usually like to help cook the meat on anything. Yeah. So, helped with that. But, um... There's a lot more involved with uh, getting a taco bar together. Honestly, it feels like the meat cooking is the easiest part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that was that. And then just sort of hung out, uh, played some games, got some reading done. I'm sorry I'm laughing. I'm I'm recording in the living room for, like, the first time oh, okay. in a long time. And yeah. I'm sitting on the couch and... <laughs> I've got Muffy and Potato on the couch with me, and Muffy is just looking at Potato with them, like, like, so disgusted. Aww. Like, just so disgusted. Like, why are you sitting on the same cushion as me? It's really funny. I've never seen a cat curl their lip. <laughs> and I just saw Muffy That's... do it. It was so, That's... oh my gosh. That's cute. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting Muffy. You've met Muffy. You haven't met Potato. Oh, Potato. Sorry, yeah. All right. Um. So, oh, also, yeah. 
so at the farmer's market this past weekend, um, I bought meat for the first time. That's cool. What kind? Uh, well, I bought some hot pork sausage that I'm going to use, that I'm like, I'm planning on using in a recipe either this weekend or sometime next week. And, um, and I also bought like pat, like sausage patties and the sausage patties I bought, it was still pork sausage, but it was blueberry maple. Huh. And so I cooked those. So I cooked those up yesterday morning because they'd been in the fridge. I didn't want them to go bad, and they were yeah. so good. They sound good. Like so good. Like when I go back to the farmers market this coming weekend, if they've got them, I'm gonna buy like two packages. All right. And like refrigerate one and freeze the other one. Like they were that good. All right. It was delicious. Yeah. We had uh, Milano's for dinner tonight. Uh, I, I think Mom got shells and me and Dad got ziti. Okay. With sausage. Yeah. Yeah. We um. It, it was pretty nice. We got Papa John's. Oh, Papa John's is that's some good pizza. Mm-hmm. Or did you get a papadilla? No, we got pizza. Um. Okay. We got. I had like a ten dollar thing, like a ten dollar coupon. So right. we got like two stuffed crust pizzas. Okay. Speaking of ten dollar coupons, uh, I used one uh, to get movie tickets the other week when uh, me and Caleb went to a twentieth anniversary screening of the Godzilla movie Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's pretty silly. Like, as someone who's been spending the last couple of years watching a lot of the older Godzilla movies, mm-hmm. I feel like there's... I, I don't know why. I don't want to make the earlier films seem more, like, highbrow in comparison. I basically put them on par with, like, uh, 60s or 70s sitcom as far as, like, their character writing is concerned. Mm-hmm. By that same token, I'd put the writing of Godzilla 2002 on par with like like a Power Rangers episode mm-hmm. so I don't know It's it was pretty campy but it was fun okay and it was an anniversary event so they had a lot of like special features and stuff going on mm-hmm. and uh but then of course we went to that and then went our separate ways and then the other day my friend texted me and said that uh that he was feeling sick so hopefully uh, i don't know if he got it at the theater or not but hopefully he's all right yeah yeah i tell you what the flu has been rampant at school oh yeah i, I can imagine like teachers have been getting sent home early teachers are having because every time i've ever gotten the flu as a teacher like the doctor's like you can't go to school for five days Okay. Um, you've got these incredibly small class sizes because of all these kids who have the flu. Yeah. And like, so my co- so one of my neighbors is also my coworker, and she got sure. sent home Monday with the flu. Oh. And yeah, apparently the principal was a little snarky about it, and was like, "Oh, oh did you get a flu shot?" And my coworker was like, no, I didn't. However, 
her assistant, because she's a kindergarten teacher, she was like, however, my assistant did get a flu shot, and she still got the flu. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's it's hard. Have you, I mean, I was able to get my shot the other week at a physical. Yeah. And uh, so I'm pretty sure I haven't contracted it. I got my flu shot back in, like, September, but, I mean, it's just, like... Well, there's also, like, exposure levels. Like, you come to you come into contact with a lot more vectors now than I do. I do. Especially now that I'm, uh, like, not driving any around anymore. Mm-hmm. So... I also feel like, because I've, I've had the flu... I never had the flu until I moved here. And then I promise you, okay. it was ba- it felt like I got the flu every year huh, for the first you, like you five taught, years I I worked here. So you taught like grade school before moving to where you live. I did, yes. Um, and and you don't mean to say that you've never had the flu ever before, because I'm sure you got it plenty as a kid. But you know, I don't remember. I remember getting huh. like strep throat. Yeah. And like having sinus infections. But I never remember having the flu as a kid. Huh, that's funny. I mean, I probably don't remember much either, but I'd be willing to bet that I, at some time when I was sick, was probably flu. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, so that's sort of what's been happening. Uh, You ready to. You got anything else in mind, or did you want to get into it? I found my earbuds. Yay! The saga is complete. And you want to know... Okay, so... Did we talk last episode about how I had lost my earbuds? Yeah, yeah, that came up. And I had the one... Okay, so I found the other one. Well, so I found the one, like, very shortly after I realized that they were missing. And then I found the the, the rubber ring to the second one, like, a day or two later. So, like, a week goes by... I'm thinking you're just going to have to like buy a new pair because this is my favorite sure. pair of earbuds. And I found the second pair when I was cleaning the bathroom, the cat had knocked it up under like the scale in my bathroom. Okay. And it was just, that's yeah. where it was. Oh, I'm gl- I'm glad it turned up. So I'm so excited that I found it. Yeah. I had a similar discovery the other day. Um, I was, Neat. Looking, we lost the volume remote, and it got knocked into a trash can. Mm-hmm. So after, but so obviously I didn't think to look in there until after we'd gotten done turning all the furniture upside down and rifling through the cushions. Right. Yeah, it was it was pretty pretty easy easy to pick out of the can though, because it was it's just the one we keep in the living room, so it's mostly like tissues and right like uh like light garbage yeah i know what you're talking about yeah Yeah. but you always sort of get paranoid about throwing away something expensive like that yeah well uh you got some books to talk about uh sure uh did you want to talk about something else first or um i mean no not really okay I, I'm sending some hesitation, though. Yeah, I'll find out. Oh, okay. Alrighty. Well, uh, you want me to start? Sure. Alright. 
Well, uh, we've got a challenge to discuss this week, but before that, I've got a couple of other books to start in on. Um, they're both pretty short. In fact, one I read in less than an hour, I'm willing to say. Okay. I don't know if you know about, if you've heard of this one before. I'm sure you've probably seen it in stores somewhere because it's mm -hmm. got a very distinctive uh, cover and design. It's called The Strange Library by Haruki Murakami. I've read that. You've read it. Okay. I've read so that. You know, you know it's like a thin paperback with like a weird fold over front cover. Oh no, I haven't read that. Oh, it might be it might be it might just be different editions. The version I have is like sort of a uh, thin paperback, maybe about a uh, hundred and something pages long. But uh, there's a lot of illustrations, so there's only about say sixty something pages of actual text. And the font size is pretty big, so the full length of it is probably more akin to, like, a middle grade book. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of like, it has, like, the logic of, like, a young fantasy novel where things just sort of start happening and characters take events in stride and just try and work out as they go along. It's got a surprisingly dark twist at the end. Not, like, edgelord dark, but just kind of, like, sad. Yeah. So. That, Yeah. yeah. That's, I'm thinking of a different book that also has, like, it's, like, The Something Library, like, in the title, but it's, like, a yeah. full-fledged novel and book series. Okay. Where it's, like, there's this planet that is, like, the whole planet is a library. Is that the Library of Cinder or something? No, I can't... <sighs> I feel like I know what you're talking about. And, like, the librarians are, like, time travelers and, like, universe jumpers. Okay. Because they, they, like, jump... Basically, like, they go into different timelines uh, within different dimensions to reclaim specific texts. Okay. That's interesting. Well, if you can think of the title, you can just drop it in real quick. Okay. But uh, this one is... Yeah, fairly rudimentary. Is it's like a school kid who goes to the library one day and gets captured by this guy and taken underground. And there's like this huge complex of tunnels and whatnot that he has to escape into and explore. And he meets like a couple of eccentric-looking characters and whatnot. So it's all fairly heightened and surreal. Uh huh. And uh, as you know, uh, Haruki Murakami wrote um, the wind up bird chronicles that i had us read earlier this year uh-huh and uh that book was like 600 plus pages long and i think if you took like all the um surreal and supernatural occurrences that happened in that book and just compressed them down you'd get roughly equivalent to the kind of stuff that goes on here it was the invisible and library invisible library okay but uh, I enjoyed checking it out. I've had it just sort of sitting around for a while, so I was glad to finally get a look at it. And it's got some really nice, um, like, evocative illustrations and uh, pictures. So uh, definitely worth checking out if you're interested in, like, just unique books. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other book I read was a collection of short, short stories. It is called Night Train by A.L. Schneidgers. He's a uh, uh, Norwegian or Dutch, uh, one of those um, 
uh, want to like European, small European countries. I want to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was a guy. He passed away like in the mid two thousands, and uh, his sort of claim to fame was the micro story, which is basically a short story that's only like a page to a page and a half long, if mm-hmm. that. And this was just a collection of about like 80 or so of those and I, I mean the the language in it's pretty like spartan and evocative mm-hmm. and a lot of it's like seemingly autobiographical with some fictionalized elements in fact i think uh that there's like a lot made in the introduction of the book that the author was quoted as saying that so much of his stories are fictionalized but that, like, he it done so in such a way that people wouldn't be inclined to, like, second-guess it. Mm-hmm. So, it's definitely... I definitely recommend it just for, like, some light reading. Or if you're looking to get into, like, translated uh, world literature. Mm-hmm. And um, on that same token, there's another book I want to talk about. Uh, I haven't finished it yet. And by all accounts, I'm probably not going to finish it by the end of this year because it is over 700 pages and I'm only like 50 pages in. Oh, wow. But it is by one of my favorite authors, uh, Clarice Lispector. Mm-hmm. She wrote, I want to say, either the first book I read this year or the first book I, re- the first book I read last year, which was uh, The Hour of the Star or something. And this book called Too Much of Life Mm-hmm. is a collection of her uh, what are called chronicas in Brazil mm-hmm. are basically like a weekly column that uh, people write about like their lives and opinions and stuff and it's just it's like just such a lovely like writing style Clarice Spector has and for her to just sort of write about the things that happened to her uh, write about like her interactions with people and her observations of it's just really great and I'm like I said I'm about 50 pages in uh each column is about maybe two to three pages long mm-hmm. so whenever I'm just like in a rut with my own reading or looking for something to do for a few minutes I'll just pick it up from my bedside and uh read a few pages of it Okay. And I'm probably going to be keeping on in that manner until I finish it. So, uh, but yeah, it definitely gets a shout out. Once again, Clarice of the Spectre, an an author I'm really enjoying. Mm hmm. And, uh, yeah, give her the recommend. Okay. Yeah. And then apart from that, uh, of course, keeping up with my comics, um, there's this series. Last time I talked about catching or like rereading. Uh, the manga series Flying Witch. I have mm-hmm. since moved on to rereading the uh, the adventure series Delicious in Dungeon, or mm-hmm. Dungeon Mushi as it's known in Japanese, and that's of course the the sort of like high fantasy series about a bunch of explorers going into a dungeon that's full of like mythical creatures and stuff, and them not having the food or the money that they need to buy supplies as they venture down into it. So one of their members is like a survivalist, basically. And what he takes to doing is 
taking all the fantasy monsters that they encounter and like beat in battle mm-hmm. and cooking with them. So you've got like uh, like sea serpents and stuff and just these weird sort of fantasy creatures that they're cooking up in conventional ways to make like fairly nice meals with. Yeah. And that's like that's like a, a top layer of the engagement of the series and then like gradually as it goes on you start getting more of like the like intrigue of like uh, medieval fantasy kind of setting where like characters and races are all vying for power and influence mm-hmm. but all the same like it keeps a pretty light tone around that central concept of people encountering weird animals and making food out of them okay so that, that also gets a recommend and that's uh that's pretty much all i can think of okay it's been that's been the bulk of it yeah i've I feel like I got uh, sort of like I hit a couple of walls in my reading, which I'll confess is part of why I wanted to like delay this week's episode a mm-hmm. little just because I was having trouble like getting into the swing of things at times. Mm-hmm. But when I look back on it, I feel like it's been pretty productive. Well, good. I read another short book, like 3,600 words. <laughs> Okay. Um, and it's another. Well, this is a, this is an alien romance. Um. And this it's called the Sacrificial Chamber by Adrian Blue, and okay. basically, it's a short story. But it, I mean, like, in probably you know in thirty six hundred words, uh. Yeah. It tells the story of something that a much a much like a significantly longer romance novel could also tell and that I've talked about on this show. Um the only difference is is that in the other books that I've read that feature like an alien love story, the most of the time the alien partner is humanoid in some form or fashion. Yeah. And in this one it's not. Oh. Okay. Um, like they they call them the over or they call like the leaders the overlords. Um, but they there's like there's not an actual name given to the species that has taken over the planet. Yes. It just describes it, and basically, they kind of look like they kind of look like bugs. Yes. With like metal exoskeletons. Okay. And the the one that the main character like ends up with, like he's the supreme o- overlord or whatever. So instead of being instead of his exoskeleton being like dark or black or whatever, his is like platinum. Yes. Uh. So yeah. Okay. It was it was you know I read it in like less than an hour. Sure. So. All right. You mentioned like, uh, I guess like human monster romance. Uh huh. And, it, no fault of anything or no, judgments or whatever. It always puts me in the mind of you know Chuck Tingle, right? I don't. He's the romance author with the wildly absurd romance premises for his books. They usually have like memeish titles. 
Oh, is he the one who writes about like the dinosaur shit? No, about Yes, about... there's a lot of dinosaur stuff. Okay, but is he the one where it's like one of the main characters like can shift into a helicopter? I'm I'm not I've never actually read any of them. But uh I'm just like I've pulled up a Google search and it's got like a bunch of his titles. Hold on, Chuck Tingle. Like... Yes. Oh, what is it that I'm thinking about? It's is this something else? No, I, I'm i pretty sure this is the guy, but I can't remember uh, the name of the story. Okay. So I'm scrolling through his books, and dear God, this makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've read, I've read like some smut, but oh my gosh. <laughs> 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 I'm looking at I'm looking at some of these titles. <laughs> uh pounded by the physical manifestation of the shockingly massive importance of pre-orders when supporting authors you enjoy in the traditional <laughs> publishing industry. Okay, I found it. I found it. And it is written yeah. by Chuck Tingle. What is it? The title is Helicopter Man Pounds Dinosaur Billionaire Ass. It says it's his first full-length novel. Yeah. And it's a thrilling superhero origin story. That will take you to the edge of gay erotic romance and stare bravely into the abyss. <laughs> yeah, there's uh there's a, another one it's like a shirtless guy standing next to a wordle puzzle with a face in it mm -hmm. and it says the finis the physical manifestation of wordle pounds my butt as a slightly frustrating <laughs> but ultimately rewarding and meditative daily routine oh, God. <laughs> and then of course there's the one of like a dude standing next to a man with a t-rex head in a suit and it's and is like giving a thumbs up. And it says, "Not pounded by anything while I practice responsible social distancing." <laughs> so okay, uh, so this particular book with the helicopter man, um, I yeah. first heard about this on TikTok, and I did yeah. not believe it was real, and I was sorely uh, mistaken. Okay, you can buy it for eight dollars on Amazon. Okay. Like Kindle. Yes. Yeah, this is wild. Oh, this is crazy. Sorry if I got us off track. And the guy, okay, so this one, it says, John Hams is a man who has lost it all, a nine-to-five nobody with an addiction to billionaire dinosaur bad boys. <laughs> that is until a freak accident at work imbues him with the ability to transform into an achingly handsome helicopter at will. Oh, wow. Suddenly things are looking up as John uses his ability to woo the dashing Stegosaurus from his sex addicts group <laughs> who just happens to have a thing for rugged aircrafts. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but it's not long before John's new helicopter identity starts to spin out of control, taking on a personality of its own as the wild and, horrid, as the wild and horny Chibs Pratt chopper with abs. 
Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Do we need to go to a break? Oh, we might need to. All right. We're going to take a break, and when Ooh. we come back, we'll be talking more books. Oh my gosh. Oh. And for our next uh, challenge, we've got to read a Chuck Tingle book. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> and welcome back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. Um, so before the break, we were talking about Chuck Tingle. Yep. And, and now it's after the break. Now it's after the break. So we're going to talk about our challenge. Well, did you have any other books that you'd read? Nope. Okay. Well, uh, today's challenge was to read uh, Josh Mallerman's Inspection. Uh, his sort of big follow-up. I don't know if it was his direct follow-up to Bird Box or not, because the About the Author section in my edition featured another book called Unburying Carrie. Yeah, um, so he published, the so Bird Box was published in like, 2014 2015 something yeah. like that inspection wasn't published until 2019 okay so it it's probably it was probably like his first big book post the success of the bird box movie yeah okay Alrighty. so this was your assignment and uh i can talk about the plot if you'd like okay i'm just gonna go ahead and let you know i didn't finish it okay how far did you get um, I got into the second part. Okay, so uh, for the listeners at home, the book is divided up into uh, four parts. And you say that you got into part two? Yeah, like I, I didn't like, like I didn't just start part two. Like I'm probably a chapter or two into part two. Okay. Alrighty, so I, I'll know to keep uh, any plot details, um before that okay so uh the world of inspection is set at a uh building called the parenthood which is like a tall tower complex based out in the middle of a giant forest and uh inhabiting the tower are dad or d dot a d and uh, a bunch of his uh, employees called inspectors whose job it is to raise a collection of 24 boys each named the alphabet boys after a different letter of the alphabet uh just basic to raise them up in the isolation of the forest and trying to make of them like great scholars and scientific minds and whatnot and uh and the 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 book itself pretty much gives the game away in that um they're, these boys are being raised in a world with no knowledge of women. Mm-hmm. And every day, like at the start of the day, the boys are inspected by the inspectors. And, and by dad. Uh, and by dad. Which pretty much just involves like them looking them over, looking their bodies over, seeing like if they've contracted any diseases or anything. And then, uh, and then just going on like with their education and rearing and whatnot so it's 
kind of like a boarding school uh, narrative, save for the frankly dystopian, like, like psychological experimentation going on, mm-hmm. basically. And uh, so none of the boys know about women, but some of the boys, I think, are starting to know about something. Because the main character, Jay, like I said, all the boys are named after letters. So his letter is literally the letter J. And uh, he starts suspecting that there is somebody in the forests uh, around the parenthood watching them. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of like gotten him thinking about, like, questioning, like asking big questions, basically. And making him, like, suspicious in ways that are concerning to him because he's been raised in an environment where even the very idea of raising doubt is uh, sort of, like, sort of antithetical to anything he'd have a frame of reference for. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, we also get the perspective of various uh, adults at the parenthood, specifically Dad, and uh, one of the other members of the staff named Warren who under a uh, alias has been tasked with writing young adult books for the boys to read and they're all basically just like books set at the school featuring fictionalized characters or fictionalized versions of various people and are basically just like a light entertainment slash uh, educational model but as t- as the years have gone on and like the boys have aged in this way up to the age of 12 um, Warren the writer uh, behind these books has been growing guiltier and guiltier for hiding these boys away from the world and so what he finally takes it upon himself to do is write a book basically in a fictionalized Uh, framework detailing the existence of women Mm -hmm. and then dispersing it among the boys unbeknownst to dad or anybody else's knowledge and then uh, just things spiraling out from there as the boys are all gradually and uh, sort of traumatically I guess made aware of the realities or certain elements of realities that come into conflict with their own exist uh, understanding of existence mm-hmm. so I feel like that's about as much as I can give away without going into spoilers yeah and I will say that there is a in, unless you're actually I haven't even read the flap of the book but I did read a summary on uh, Amazon or mm-hmm. Goodreads and that one pretty much gives the game away for a big mid-book twist. Yeah. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? I... I'm gonna say a letter, and you just say yes or no. Okay. K? Yes. Okay. So Yeah, you, I... So no, you know I've, I've the, read that... I've read that same summary. I did not have that, like, spoiled for me, so... I'd been reading the book, sort of, like, having trouble, frankly, like, getting into it at times... Uh, certain like elements of the story were more engaging than others. I'm mm-hmm. not totally sold with uh, like basically the way that the kids are written. Like 
I think uh, certain characters are better or more engaging than others. And I'm not totally sure how well Jay holds up as a protagonist. Yeah. I will I will say that I will say that I agree with that in just even though I haven't read the entire book, I agree with your opinion about Jay. I don't think he holds up particularly well as a protagonist. However, I feel that the portrayal of the kids or at least the kids that I have met is actually fairly accurate, like just in terms of how like I can imagine, you know, these the like these boys are being raised in a specific environment. There are certain expectations put upon them. I can see, I don't know, like to me, knowing what I know about how they're being raised and what their environment is, their conversations with one another feel very natural, both for their environment, but also just for how boys talk to each other. Okay. Um, I do feel that they are more polite to one yeah. another than like my stepson is to his friends. Oh, I don't know. Like, so I tried to read this book a couple years ago and it was a DNF, not because I didn't like it, but just because I don't know, like my interest waned in it, I guess. Sure. I get um, that. And so like kind of where I stopped the first time is basically like where I read up to this most recent time. But I can I can tell you that my visceral reaction to the storytelling is very different now than when it was when I tried to read it the first time. Because when I tried to read it the first time, like Andrew, my younger stepson, like he was younger and we hadn't like we were not dealing with puberty. Okay. Well now he's thirteen. Yeah. And we're dealing with puberty. Okay. And And that doesn't even become so much an element of the book. There's like some I guess like development of personality, but as far as like any like hormones or stuff might be concerned, you're not really getting that in yeah. the story because all the characters are still fairly young, like on the cusp of puberty, I guess. Yeah. So um, but have, oh, because like, we're kind of currently like in the throes of puberty, like right now with my stepson, but you know, like I have been there for the prepubescent, like tween stage, I guess, kind of where these boys are in the story. And yeah, I don't know. It just hit me different. Like I'm sitting here going, I can't imagine what like Andrew or Christopher's life would be like if they had, if they were not aware of the existence of women. All right. I mean, obviously they wouldn't know me. It's definitely a high concept. And, uh, a lot, of, a, a lot can be mined from like extrapolating out implications and, uh, qualifications that would need to be made for mm -hmm. this concept to exist. And I wonder, like I mentioned the mid the mid-novel twist where we're basically presented with another side of the story mm -hmm. and I almost wonder how effective the book would be if we had been given this twist earlier on yeah because on the one hand it's clearly written with the understanding that it's coming at a point when like a lot has been left vague yeah if not like downright like unexpressed but at the same time like 
you're, it's hard to say like how much of that second half is better for what came before it versus how much of it is just innately more interesting. Yeah. And I almost feel like that by playing certain things close to the vest, the book sort of like hamstrings itself. Mm-hmm. I feel like some books can work twists and mysteries and whatnot uh, pretty well, whereas others would almost be, be like better served to yeah. just lay all the cards out on the table and have the reader engage with it like on that dramatic level. Mm-hmm. But that's that, that's sort of how I, my, my feelings on it go. So, question. Do you, yeah. do you think the... Like, what do you think of the premise? Like, do you think there is some validity to it about that genius is allows is allowed to flourish with uh without just without distraction of the opposite sex yeah i don't think so i think that the uh i mean obviously that's an assumption that the book itself is being critical of so i don't think that's intended to be your takeaway Uh, i would just say that um like as like to be clear the people who have who are isolating these uh, kids are very much the villains, and we yes. are intended to see their actions and their uh, uh, rationalizations as being villainous. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that's ever really something that the book or is leading you to seriously consider, and that I don't really think would. Mm-hmm. Uh, be the case regardless uh i will say i will okay it's interesting to talk about this now because there's some developments at the end of the book especially like the climax Mm -hmm. which this book has a very fast climax i'd say like pretty much 30 pages before the end of the book is stuff just starts popping off okay to the point that the main character's almost get relegated in terms of any like character catharsis Mm -hmm. it's like some things happen and then some other things happen and then you're not really talking about those characters anymore oh okay yeah so it's it's interesting it almost it's almost like the kids as a group become more important than the kid we've been focusing on this whole time yeah which is fine but it's also like kind of out of step with what the rest of the book was doing Okay. And uh, so there, there's definitely elements both about how quickly the story is resolved and the quickness in the way that the story is resolved, like literally in terms of the events and their, like, it, it really, all, I, I guess I just have to say it feels uh, rushed, like both logically and uh, literally. Mm-hmm. It almost like the author reached a point where he was like, well, I basically know how I want to make this end and I don't want to devote any more pages to like fleshing how it'll work out so I'll just have it happen yeah so there's all that and then like from that comes certain questions about like the nature of these kids like what who they are now as people what like socialization means for them Mm mm-hmm and uh, what their future is going to look like. And those are all very interesting questions as well that the book, likewise, just doesn't seem to have the room or the inclination to explore. Right. 
So, yeah, it, it just it, the ending felt really weird to me. Okay. Even though I will say, as a book that was giving me a lot of trouble in parts, like starting and stopping and getting frustrated by, it mo- the the briskness at which it moved along did keep me reading it. Mm-hmm. So, whatever, say what you will, it certainly does make for like propulsive reading. Yeah. So there's that. Okay. Alrighty. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about it? No. Well, uh, that was uh, the uh, uh, inspection by Josh Mallerman. Um, I was a big fan of Bird Box, and I'd be interested to check out the other stuff he's written since. But uh, that was just sort of like medium on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I've got uh, got the word total for it and uh, figures and what all totaled up if you want to get into it. Yeah. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so my one book that I read was 3,630 words, which brings my total for the year up to 7,329,208 words, which uh, still puts me at 73%. Okay. Because I round up or down. Right. So, so I'm still sitting at 73% you. of my word count from last year. Okay. Well, you can still get there. Yeah. Let's see, I'm just adding on my bonus for the challenge. Okay. So, uh, I read, um, I got a double word score for inspection which had a word total of 120,224, along with uh, roughly uh, 40,000 from the Stranger, the Strange Library and Night Train combined. So all together, that brings my current word total to 4,304,887, which uh, against last year's word total puts me at uh, 97%. Dang. Although, I will say, I am very, very far behind in my reading goal in terms of, like, actual books. Yeah. I've only got, I'm, my reading goal is, like, 54, and I've only read 37 books, so I'm going to have to get a real uh, move on with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as, like, my, the reading competition totals are going, I'm pretty, pretty happy with it. Yeah. Uh, you got another reading challenge for us? I guess this will be the last one you assign before the end of the year. Yeah. Um. Okay. Okay, so my last book that I'm going to assign for my challenges, uh, we are going to read The Sparrow by, okay. Mar- by, ba- by, bleh, by Mary Doria Russell. All right. You know, you mentioned... Having read or having made a start on inspection before, mm-hmm. I have tried reading this sparrow before. Okay. And I got maybe a hundred pages, maybe not quite, into it mm-hmm. before falling off. But that is definitely a book I'm uh, interested in giving another shot. All right. Uh, how'd you settle on that one? Um, to be honest, I just kind of scrolled through my like Apple library, like because. I have because I have like the the Apple Books app because I have an iPhone but then I also have Kindle and I used yeah. to read exclusively on the Apple Books app. So I have a bunch of books downloaded there 
that I haven't just looked at in a long time. So I was just kind of scrolling through my library and was like, I forgot I bought that one. Okay. And I remember um, Rebecca Shinsky from uh, all the all books. The book? Like she would, like she talked about that book a lot. Okay. On that show. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. I look forward to giving it another uh, another shot. Yeah. Yeah. And um, mm. what what was your challenge that we are going to be reading for next time? Uh, for next episode. I thought I had it right here by my bed. Here it is. Ah. Okay, for next episode, we are reading Arcadi Martin's A Memory Called Empire. It is uh, also a science fiction novel. Okay. Although I think this is more like a space opera than uh, The Sparrow, which is set in space, but more grounded. Right. It's more like a first contact story. Right. Right. Okie dokie. Uh Okay. Well, I'll I'll look forward to get starting it on that. And uh, in the meantime, you can tell everybody where they can keep uh, up with us in our goings on. Yeah. So our social medias, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can also find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can email us questions, suggestions... And recommendation, well, no, suggestions are recommendations. Questions, <laughs> comments, and recommendations to yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. All right, appreciate you. I think that he had a, got a good one in the can this yeah. week. Yeah. All right, well, as always, this has been your two hosts, uh, Thomas Dempsey. And Elizabeth Connor. Thanking you for listening and telling you all... Now, goodbye. Goodbye.